Welcome to the This Can Happen podcast with me, Zoe Sinclair, co-founder of This Can Happen. This is the show where I'm lucky to be in conversation with changemakers and thought leaders within workplace mental health from all around the world, all striving to make a positive difference to support their colleagues. someone living with obesity their body is not functioning the same as someone that doesn't live with obesity so what we need to do is look at how can we support that person and help them to get their body working the way it should be and it's really that simple but people just don't understand that actually that's what is going on it's not a choice it's physiologically there's stuff going on as well for today's podcast we're going for something a little different in terms of thought leadership I'm delighted to introduce you to Sarah Lebrock, who is the director of the UK Obesity Organisation. She was formerly hospital sales specialist at Roche and charity director for Obesity UK. She is championing more conversations around obesity stigma at work. From the feedback from the obesity and mental health session that we held at the 2020 This Can Happen conference, I knew we needed to delve more into this subject. So Sarah and I will be discussing the connection between mental health and obesity, how the individual fight against obesity is so much more than eating less and moving more, and how obesity can have a profound effect on someone's mental health. Sarah, I'm completely delighted um, to welcome you to today's This Can Happen podcast. So how are you doing today? Where do I find you today? (laughs) Well, actually, um, I'm actually in Spain today. So so I've managed to... I know. I've managed to escape um, for a couple of, well, for 10 days, actually, to see my parents because they actually live out here now. They retired out here a few years ago. So I've managed to actually escape to the sunshine. Um, And so, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you from Spain. Well, I'm even more thankful um, to you for taking the time to have a chat with us today. So you see, there you go. With the, everything online, anybody can be anywhere. So I, I really am surprised that you told me you were in Spain. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, listen, welcome. Um, and, and you know, as you know, you um, spoke at the 2020 conference and we had a huge amount of feedback from the session that we did around um, obesity and mental health that, that you facilitated. But I think that the, the reason we had the feedback is that people were saying that they had never really connected sort of obesity and, and mental health, and, and especially in terms of the workplace. So why do you think that actually um, people haven't thought about this before? I think it comes down to the fact that there's a huge um, kind of narrative that goes on in, in, in society at the moment around obesity, around it being someone's choice that they live with obesity. Um, so kind of, you know, this is a lifestyle choice. They've done this to themselves. So I'm sure they're quite happy doing what they're doing, because if they weren't, they'd do something about it. And I think that's the kind of way that a lot of people think, kind of rightly or wrongly. Um, so actually, of course, people would think, well, if they weren't, you know, if they did have issues with their mental health or they weren't happy, etc., then surely they'd do something about it because that's how people seem to think. It's that simple that, you know, you're not happy, you do something about it. Um, but I think what people don't understand is the real complexities around obesity um, and the fact that actually most people living with obesity beat themselves up, you know, they they feel like they're a failure. Um, they have probably been on every diet that, that's ever been created, um, probably lost weight actually as well multiple times. Um, but that when that weight goes back on, 
you feel like you're you've done something wrong, that you're a failure, that you're letting people down, you know, all these kind of things. So actually it's a real daily kind of battle for people living with obesity with all the kind of negative chatter that goes on in someone's head. Um, and yeah, in the workplace, this is just the same, you know, it kind of simple things like, you know, yes, we haven't been in an office for 18 months because of COVID, but when you're in an office space, for instance, things like, you know, will the office chair be comfortable for me to be sat on all day? Will I actually fit in it? Will the arms of the chair be digging into me? Um, you know, kind of all these kind of things that people that, you know, don't live in bigger bodies have, would never think about. But these are things that I constantly think about. Like if I'm going anywhere new, I kind of think, right, so if I'm going to be sat here and I need to get to the toilet, for instance, uh, you know, can I get past everyone without having to get everyone up out of their chair so I can squeeze past them or just silly things like that. So I think, yeah, it, it's a real piece that is going on all the time, I think, for people living with obesity. With the, the, there's so many things going on in our heads um, that we have to think about just to kind of get by. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So just honing in on um, on your personal story, um, you define yourself as, as living with obesity. Is that right? It is, yeah. That's how I describe myself, yeah. So just tell us a little bit about your journey from, you know, from childhood to, to where you are now. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I look back... I used to think that I was kind of overweight as a child. But actually, when I look back at pictures, I wasn't really that overweight. It was more of a fact of I developed early. So I remember leaving primary school wearing a bra. So I developed boobs and hips quite early on. And then and I went to an all girls secondary school. So I think I spent my whole kind of secondary school comparing myself to girls that hadn't developed as quickly as me and felt differently. Um, so it was one of those where it was kind of, I started also automatically wanting to look differently at that point. So that's when I kind of started my journey of trying out diets, left, right and centre. Um, and I remember going from GCSEs to A-levels, that's kind of summer, um, going on my first 800-calorie milkshake diet, um, just so that I could go from, I think it was about a size 14, and I went down to a size 10. And I look back and I just am quite horrified that that's kind of where my kind of dieting journey really began, because I think gosh, if I hadn't have embarked on that and going on these yo-yo diets, would I be living with obesity right now? Um, you know, there's probably a good chance I would be because actually genetically I have some of the um, obesity genes because I've been screened now. Um, but it kind of does make you think that, you know, had you made different choices, would we be in the same situation? So then kind of when by the time I left university, I was very much a size 20, roughly. So, you know, we all know that university isn't the healthiest of the <laughs> places with drinking yeah. and eating late at night, etc. Um, but obviously, kind of because I started on this kind of yo-yo dieting back in my early teens, by the time I left university, the weight really had kind of started coming on. Um, and then throughout my 20s, kind of just, you know, dieted, put weight back on over and over again. And it was when I got to just before I turned 30, um, I had an opportunity to take part in a weight loss TV show. So this was a TV show um, on Sky. Um, and it was a, 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 a 12 month program where someone um, would kind of look at my diet and exercise. I trained with a personal trainer for two hours a day, every day. Um, and I was filmed. So I went from kind of doing no exercise before really to at the end of this show um do it completing an olympic distance triathlon <laughs> so that wow. was kind of 
<laughs> I know, exactly. Um, and I lost eight and a half stone in the process. Um, so for me, kind of, this was a real, like, I was so excited by this because I, I thought it was the answer. Like, I literally thought that losing this weight would be the kind of, you know, the making of me um, and life would be made and it would be so exciting. But the reality was that, you know, once I'd lost the weight, I A, still didn't like the way I looked. Um, and then B, over time, that weight started coming back on, despite the fact that I was still training really hard because I'd actually got a love of exercise from this. You know, I loved doing the triathlon and I went on to do more. I used to run five and 10 Ks all the time. You know, I really kind of em embraced that kind of exercise part of the show. Um, but even despite carrying that on, my weight started going back on. And that's when I started kind of, I went through a really dark time with my mental health because, you know, I put myself in the limelight to say, look, everyone, look at what I can do. You know, felt, you know, great with my achievement at the end of, of doing the triathlon, etc. But then when that weight started going back on, I felt completely out of control. Like it was kind of like, why is this happening to me when I'm trying to I'm doing everything everyone's telling me I should do? Um, but it's not working. And that's when yeah. I started getting really more into kind of understanding obesity, because for me, my background's in science and chemistry. So for me, it just didn't make sense. I wasn't just going to accept this. I kind of, I, I felt like there was more, there was something why that, you know, there was a reason why this was happening. And that's when I started kind of researching like the set point theory around weight um, and looking at the data. Um, there was a trial in the US by um, a Dr. Kevin Hall, who looked at Biggest Loser contestants um, over a six year period to see kind of why people on The Biggest Loser kind of basically lost all that weight and then put it back on again. And he found that all the contestants after six years had put all the weight back on. And it was kind of like that's when he talked about set point theory and the fact that physiologically people's bodies are made up differently when you get to a point of living with obesity um, and all the kind of science behind it. And for me, that was like a real kind of light bulb relief moment, really, because it was kind of like, so this isn't actually my fault. There's actually things going on here biologically, physiologically, as to why this is happening to me. You know, this isn't a choice that I'm making. Um, and yeah. for me, it was kind of like the first time that I stopped beating myself up about my weight because I'd spent like 30 years really not liking myself and kind of fighting against my body for 30 years. And I kind of, yeah, it was a really, you know, I really remember that moment of kind of going, right, okay, so this this kind of isn't my fault. And this is something I'm actually going to live with for the rest of my life. And what I need to now focus on is my health and managing my weight, but not necessarily focusing on weight loss all the time. Um, so that was a really big moment for me, really. So there is so much fascinating information that you, you just talked about. And I want to pick up on a couple of things. First of all, when you went through your really dark time, were you working at that point? Yes, I was. Yeah, I was working um, full time in the pharmaceutical industry. Right. So how let's just talk a little bit about you're going through a dark time, you're working and um, 
you know, you, you've mentioned before that you've experienced a lot of obesity stigma at work. Yeah. How is all this playing out for you? How are you managing to go to work in this darkness? Um, can you talk to anybody about it? Just, just tell us a little bit about that. I am very good at putting on a front. Um, I think I've developed that well over the years. So I think to anybody else, they people probably wouldn't have realized how I was feeling or thinking um so I still you know managed to kind of be fine at work carried on etc but what was interesting was obviously when you're losing weight people are always kind of going gosh wow look at you you know you everyone you see people I know when you haven't seen them for a while people are always being very complimentary and saying how great you look etc which I always think is a really interesting one and then I as the weight was going on and then you're seeing people again for me it was kind of that look of disappointment in people's eyes um of like you know kind of you can imagine what they're thinking around oh gosh you know she's she's not keeping it up and oh she's going to go back to her old ways and you know all of that kind of chatter and whether that's just me thinking that chatter or whether that's the reality of it but for me kind of I totally felt that's how people were thinking um but it's the norm people want to compliment on losing weight as though that is the that's the be all and end all and then people don't comment or don't know what to say uh when the weight is being put back on as though that is not desirable yeah absolutely and and that's the thing yeah so so you know it was it was interesting because one of my bosses at the time was very supportive of me embarking on the journey of doing everything. And in fact, he was really into kind of cycling, etc. So when I was training for the triathlon, um, he, you know, we went out cycling together and things. But what was really interesting was when I'd lost the significant amount of weight, he never really commented. And then kind of once the weight was coming and coming back on, he was more, I found quite tough on me from a professional perspective. I felt like he was you know, expecting more from me um, because of like the fact that, yeah, clearly he saw me as a failure or something. I don't know. But I felt like definitely there was a shift change in the way he behaved towards me, which I thought was really interesting. Would you say that there is a concept that people because of their weight can be seen as unprofessional? Absolutely. Yeah. And, And also kind of lazy. You know, I think there's an element of oh, clearly they're just lazy and eat too much, et cetera. And, and um, so therefore that's why they're not very, you know, they, they can't handle their weight or can't, you know, conquer their weight or whatever we want to call it. So I think then that portrays across then into your job, you know, so they're thinking, well, is she working hard enough? Is she doing what she should be doing? Is she, you know, so I think it definitely kind of does translate across into that kind of thinking. And isn't there one, there was one time when you'd been in a job uh, quite early on and you asked your boss for feedback and how you're performing during the first month and what did they say yeah so this was really interesting so it was it was a new team build so it was one of these scenarios where the team was kind of employed by the company before the the boss or the manager was um so the first time um kind of I he met me and then and we'd kind of been out on a visit and he was watching kind of how I was you know I kind of said to him yeah I'd like some feedback on you know obviously you didn't pick me so kind of you know it'd be great to know how you think I'm doing etc and he came back to me and said well he said well to be honest sir he said when I first saw you he said um I thought you're gonna have to be a bloody good sales rep looking the way you do trying to sell a diabetes product Mm. and I just was literally like 
embarrassed you know because I did and I and I look back now and wish I'd challenged him but at the time you're so mortified that somebody could kind of feels that it was okay to to say that that you kind of just kind of I don't know I think probably just laughed it off but you know I look back now and just think this is just not okay like we should not be having those types of conversations with anybody because why does the way I look translate to the way I do my job you know it's kind of I'm very capable of doing my job regardless of the way I look so um yeah that was a real you know it's stuck in my head and will do forever I'm sure um I'm sure I'm sure now we spoke about um you know when you went through this the, the the tv program and then the the weight gain um and your and your mental health how has your mental health um been since then how do you manage your mental health um sort of long term yeah so I mean it's much better now because like I say now that I'm a bit more at peace with myself like I still don't like myself you know I hand on heart say that I don't look in the mirror and like what I see I I still don't and and you know I don't know if I ever will um but what I, I I'm not doing now is kind of berating myself or kind of fighting against myself anymore um I'm I'm a lot kind of kinder to myself and kind of it's more around okay so how can we like I said before kind of be healthier a healthier version of you Sarah kind of what you know can we think just simple things like I've been trying to up my steps because that was something that being in a job where I'm sat around quite a lot it's hard to kind of do it so I'm like right so on an evening you now find me walking around my kitchen if I haven't got my steps done (laughs) trying to get my steps up and you know just things like so instead of kind of focusing on that number on the scales I really don't I can't remember the last time I weighed myself actually um I'm now just focusing on yeah just trying to be that bit more active and a bit healthier and I think that's just made me feel a lot a lot more kind of lighter in a weird kind of way you know because it's I'm not focusing on the negatives all the time I'm just trying to 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 look at kind of healthier behaviors and how I can I can put those into my lifestyle rather than standing on the scales every day because I literally used to weigh myself every single day so all I was doing every single day was punishing myself because I didn't like the number I saw so you know I look back and just think what on earth was that trying to achieve (laughs) you know it's like it's crazy um uh, but I think you. This is such a powerful message um, that you know you are bringing to other people that might be in this situation. Um, so so powerful, and really trying to take the pressure off yourself. You, you've obviously put pressure on yourself for so many years, um, and um, I know you said you're not a hundred percent happy and you're not sure whether you ever will be but having that pressure lifted must alleviate some of it and put you in a better place yeah absolutely it totally does um it just yeah just makes you feel um yeah more at peace because as I say like you know things like going to the gym so I always used to go to the gym to lose weight and now I go to the gym to be stronger or fitter, or to lift a heavier weight. And just that simple reframe just changes the whole experience. Because, you know, before I'd go to the gym, work really hard, step on the scales, wouldn't have lost any weight. So I'd be like, well, what's the point? And and, yeah. didn't, and didn't focus on the fact that actually, I am that bit fitter, I can run on the running machine for a bit longer, or I can lift a heavier weight, or I can. And actually, that is the kind of marker of success now, rather than how much weight I've lost. Um, And that's been a real kind of change in my thinking as well. 
And something that you mentioned, which I had no idea about, um, the obesity gene. Yeah. So I didn't even know that was a thing. So um, what is that? How did you get tested for it? And, and what actually does it mean? So, yes. So there's lots of data out there now um, that has identified a number of genes uh, related. I think there's over 200 that they've identified so far related to obesity. And actually, conversely, there was a study that came out about 18 months ago, I think, that actually shows that there are skinny genes as well. So those people that we look at and think, well, how can they eat all of that, do what they want and still stay skinny? Well, actually, because of their genetics. Um, so yeah, so the, the obesity genes, the main one that most people know about is called the FTO gene. Um, and this gene means that if you have the FTO gene, you're 50% more likely to live with obesity than not. So already you're kind of in that kind of you know, negative space in a way, if you want to look at it like that, but that you're fighting against that from day one. And one of the other genes that I have been identified of having is the MC4 receptor. And this gene means that I have a propensity for fattier foods than non-fattier foods. So again, my genetic makeup makes me be more likely to live with obesity and also have a preference for fattier foods than non-fattier foods. And this all came about because again, some of the work that I've been doing. Um, I was on a, B a documentary for the BBC and it was just part of that program that they ran a, um, a genetic screening. But I think privately they do this a lot now. You can actually have a screening done to test out your genetics and, and they will tell you whether you have these genes or not. And I think the important thing is, though, that just because you have the genes doesn't mean that that's kind of like you go, oh, God, right, fine. Well, that's it. You know, you can do things to kind of start working with them to try and like I say live a healthier version but it just means you're you've got those extra barriers that you've got to work against to kind of get to a point where whereas somebody else that doesn't have those genes doesn't at all so you know it's kind of just something else to have to kind of battle against really yeah so are you, can I just sort of ask very very bluntly yeah. are you therefore saying that um living with obesity is a lot more than just food. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%, yes. It's so just tell me a bit more about that because I really think um, that sort of um, Joe Blogs on the street will 100% think somebody is obese just because they can't control how much they're eating and they're eating a lot more than anybody else. Yeah. So let, let's just delve into that just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and ultimately, that's how I felt for a long time. I literally thought that it was because I was eating too much and not exercising enough that I was in the situation that I was in. But no, there is um, a lot of data out there. One of the main reports is the Foresight Report from 2007, which was a government kind of backed report. And it was looking into obesity and kind of the next 40 years and what we could do. And in the Foresight Report, they created something called the Foresight Map. And this map identified a hundred, well, over a hundred different reasons why someone lives with obesity. So this map is kind of crazy when you look at it, but it breaks it down into things like societal kind of things so where kind of um environmental things so where you live kind of what you know what job you do um kind of you know who you surround yourself with um you know think we we all know that kind of um poverty plays a huge part as well now which that, that people um that you know kind of live in in 
<clears throat> less affluent areas are more likely to live with obesity than not. There's the physiological elements of so things like the genetics and the way your body works, the hormones that you have. So there's, there's now some um, gut hormones that have been identified as um, why people live with obesity or not is these hormones aren't working the same as someone that doesn't. Um, so these are just kind of some of the elements of, of kind of why, but it's hugely complex. Um, and, and it's absolutely not just eat less, move more. That kind of narrative has just purely come from the media um, and from kind of lack of education, really, and lack of understanding around obesity, because people don't choose to live with obesity. There's so many things that are out of someone's control as to why they end up living with obesity or not. Sarah, thank you. Thank you so much for enlightening me um, and our listeners um, the topic of obesity um, and its link uh, link to mental health I think is so much deeper than well than I thought about before um, and totally agree with you uh, that in all aspects we need to create kinder cultures in the workplace I think um, Absolutely. For, for, for everyone. Um, Sarah one last shout out the UK Obesity Organisation, it's there for anyone to get in touch with? Yeah, absolutely. We're a new charity um, that's absolutely out there trying to basically work towards changing the narrative and be that support for people living with obesity. Wonderful. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today, really. Uh, and go and have a wonderful time in Spain. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. This Can Happen, empowering workplace mental health. Founded in 2018, we support organisations and empower their employees with the right solutions to create a positive environment for good mental health in the workplace. We offer various resources, including a global leading conference, free webinars, awards, a 12-month friends programme, an exclusive retreat for mental health leads, and the This Can Happen Index, the only measurement tool that includes both the employer and the employee. Find out more by visiting our website, thiscanhappenglobal.com.